As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So I salute each and every one with the awesome and the blessing words of grace, mercy, and peace. May they be multiplied unto you this evening. We welcome you to T.L. Elliott Ministries on tonight. We begin a new journey in the word of the Lord. Uh, tonight's journey um, will be in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel Um, and this journey moving forward will be to look at Daniel chapter 7 through Daniel chapter 12. Or, uh, amen. And so in that, as I mentioned these chapters, the chapters that tie to end time prophecy, amen. And so, as we're still in the theme of God revealing some things to believers, God revealing some things to the world, um, it's time to look in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, to the writings of Daniel. Um, before I can even begin to teach on Daniel, let me give a little bit of history. Um, as many are aware, Daniel is the writer, we believe, of the book of Daniel. And as the writer of the book, um, let me clarify Daniel's name to begin with, because as we understand under the culture um, that's acknowledged in Scripture, names weren't given just to give somebody a name that you felt good about names had meaning behind them and what we find very significant when we take the time to do the homework is that all of the Old Testament prophets had something significant about their name or the meaning behind their name and it usually associated itself with God so Daniel being the writer comes from the Hebraic name Daniel which means God is my judge now in saying that I put slight emphasis on the second word is so Um, the reason I do that is because is is a present tense word or is present active. Amen. So as his name declares God is my judge, let me still continue to give depth and clarity 
unless we're addressing God in his covenant name or names that have been utilized throughout uh, the entire Bible, such as God as the Elohim or the El Shaddai or uh, Yahuwah El Kaddish, Yahuwah Rohai, Yahuwah El Rafa, uh, Yahuwah El Shalom, El Elohim, um, Yahweh or Yah. These are covenant names that have significance because they speak to some things, but usually in the term, as we say, God in the neutral, whether we're saying from the sense of Elohim, which if we look in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, El means God, Ohim means and the sons of God or his magistrate. New Testament wise, when we use the term God, it comes from the Greek word Theos which Theos identifies him as a deity, but watch this, it also means divine or divinity. So in the neutrality of saying God, it's speaking to the divineness or the divinity. So watch this, Daniel's or Daniel means God is my judge, present tense, as we understand the term judge, judge doesn't just mean somebody in a black robe in the courtroom. Under God's implication of judgment, it means separation. So Daniel's name speaks to the fact that God, i.e. the Father through the divineness or through divinity, is his separator. Meaning what I'm trying to get to you is the fact that his name is implying that his life, as long as he's living and being addressed by that name, he is letting the divineness of who God is in God's character be his separator in everything that he comes in contact with, everything that he do, everything that he lives his life by. So... The God of Israel, the God of the Hebrews, he says the divinity that is associated with him is what becomes the basis of what his life is lived after. Now, as I give you insight regarding the name of Daniel, when one goes back and they do their homework looking at the time period of Daniel, amen. Daniel was around in the time of the rise and the reign and the rule of the Babylonians. The Babylonians, when you began to research them, they were really a revived version of ancient Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia uh, is really what is being referred to when you see throughout the book of Daniel the term the Chaldeans or Chaldeans, depending on how you pronounce it, um, which comes from the Hebrew or the ancient Sumerian name Chasmim, which means once again, Mesopotamia. Now, in conjunction with this thing of Mesopotamia, let me bring you forward 
as to where we're talking about because today that area would be known as Iraq okay it would be known as Iraq something else that comes out to this that we also have to keep in mind Daniel is in a place per se of imprisonment since the age of 16 and he's been imprisonment with the Babylonians for 70 years many of you may be able to find this in some of your Bibles when you began to read about the history of the book of Daniel but I needed to put that in your mindset so as we began to deal with the book of Daniel you will have a frame of reference as to what's going on in the background because many times when people begin to dissect the Word of God it's profound to understand the scripture but it becomes more profound and enriched when we take the time to understand the culture in the setting of what was written because in that you have to keep in mind the writers that God used to write his word they're writing based on the culture that they're living so we have to have that understanding or have a little bit of that knowledge in order for things to come together for us as to what the prophet or what the apostle is saying in order for us to understand uh, the impact of the word that they're speaking or trying to convey to us so that it impacts us the way God wants it to to activate us and cause us to make movement based on that that word you know a lot of times people say a move of God is on the way but the reality is a movement of God is on the way it's on the way based on what's been given to you in order to cause an activation to make you move forward amen I just wanted to to give a little bit of the history that 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 sets with this book a little bit of the background that goes along with this book and and in that you know I know many people as as I'm bringing to your uh, understanding bringing to you some insight to you about the history of what's going on we can't be so much in a place of of condemnation based on what's going on in the background because the reality of the matter as we say the the Babylonians or the ancient Mesopotamians the Chaldeans even Jesus came through this line amen uh, uh, because based upon Abraham Abraham's father Terah that's mentioned in Genesis 11, 28, and 31, and chapter 15, verse 7, was from Mesopotamia. He was from the Chaldeans. All right, and the Chaldeans were also very knowledgeable, very intelligent people. You know, the history that goes behind them would fascinate you as you began to get into uh, the people that Daniel was dealing with that had him in this period of imprisonment. Um, in the same turn, you know, uh, 
I also have to bring to your attention what else is significant uh, with Daniel as the writer of this book is also maintaining the identity that goes with him in order to represent God the way that he should. As you read Daniel chapter 1 and around the seventh verse as the introductory of this book we begin to get a picture that Daniel and his friends are even renamed by the Babylonians. If I may quickly read that, it says, Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Now, since Daniel is the one that I'm dealing with in teaching here forward, let me also bring to your attention, his name was changed based upon the belief that the Babylonians had a desire, i.e. the leadership. The kings in charge had a mindset based upon him being selected because we understand out of this book he becomes a government official so he was handpicked just like joseph in a matter of speaking or correctly pronounced yusef so he's handpicked and apparently his friends are handpicked as well but the thing is based upon the hebraic name that they're identified with once again, as I said here previously about the prophets of the Old Testament, uh, their names were associated with God in some shape, form, or fashion. Even when you look at his friends, God's name was in the midst of their names as Hebrews. Here with the Mesopotamians or with the Babylonians, though, they were associated with pagan gods or idol gods in their worship. Okay, so in that they believed in the God of Baal. So believing in Baal, even for Daniel to be handpicked and to place a name or a character or an identity upon him, the Babylonians wanted his identity to be associated with their God versus his own. When we look at the name that was given to him, Belshazzar, it means Lord of the Straightened or, or Straightened Treasure, which really it says Baal as Lord of the Straightened Treasure. Now, when I say straightened treasure, what, what, what I'm giving to you is the fact that a treasure is something that's hidden. Daniel, as we understand through this book, was an interpreter of dreams and visions. Okay, so dreams and visions are things that are hidden treasures. Daniel, having the ability to extrapolate the meaning of those dreams and visions, was able to bring clarity or as we say straighten the way for those that he's interpreting the dream for i bag this up in daniel chapter 1 verse 17 this is for as for these four children which is daniel and his friends 
God gave them knowledge and we understand knowledge means understanding. It's not just information, but it's information with understanding. So it says God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Amen. So now with giving you a little bit about Daniel, the book of Daniel and the time period that we're looking at here in Daniel chapter seven, uh, I entitled this teaching of chapter seven, the vision, amen, because what we're really getting into on tonight is the vision that Daniel was given, amen. And if we're believing on the word of God and, uh, and Daniel chapter one, verse seven, saying God gave him understanding of visions and dreams, then we can bank on the fact that this is something significant to Daniel's assignment or identity. Amen. Just like I explained what his name means. Uh, he's a separator. God is my judge or God is my separator. So he's able to get truth out of lies. He's able to uh, uh, sever the difference between what's right and what's wrong. He's able to set a precedence that becomes a standard based upon the lifestyle that he lives. I hope I, I'm, I'm ministering to somebody on tonight to really understand the depth of the writer in order to really get into the mind of what the writer uh, uh, had to convey the word that we're going to get into. Amen. So with that being said, uh, for those of you that have the word of the Lord, would you turn with me to the book of Daniel in the old Testament, right after Ezekiel book of Daniel chapter seven. And let us begin to look closely at this chapter on tonight. Amen. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 1, the scripture reads, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matter. Now, let's first begin to dissect this verse because here's here's something else i need to bring to your attention especially for those that have been on the journey going through the book of revelation we will begin to see there is a lot of parallels in daniel's visions that line up with what john declared in the book of revelation we will begin to see that what god gave old covenant still speaks again in new covenant. All right. Uh, and see by the word of God, technically new Testament says by two or three, let everything be established. So even out of two men of God's mouth, whether it was Daniel or John, they're establishing a thing. 
It's not just written in one book, it's written in two or more, technically, because when we begin to look at all of the other major prophets, as well as the minor, all of them had glimpses of these things that Daniel speaks of, as well as John in the book of Revelation. So, let's get back to the text. It says, in the first year of Belshazzar, all right, so what it's referring to in the first year or the first time period of his reign because when we began to look at the book of Daniel from Daniel chapter 1 up until J Daniel chapter 7 we kind of see the transition uh, between three kings we see that he's subject to King Nebuchadnezzar we see that he's subject to King Darius and what was significant about those uh, Daniel, who is the prophet, the mouthpiece of God, what's very profound is under, under uh, uh, the rule and the time period of each of these kings, there's significant things happening in his life. Remember when he was dealing uh, with Nebuchadnezzar, we, f we, we find his friends are put in uh, the fiery furnace. When we dealt with the time of Darius, we find that Daniel himself is placed in the lion's den. And now, here he's under the, the reign and rule of Belshazzar. Or, and as he's under Belshazzar, here's, here's the thing about Belshazzar, keep this in mind. Notice his name and Daniel's uh, Babylonian name are almost identical. Daniel's Babylonian name, Belshazzar, and then the king's name is Belshazzar, which means Bel, once again, protect the king, or Bel, i.e. the pagan god, protect my life. Now, he is the king of, of Babylon, the, as we say, place of confusion territory of confusion all right then it says Daniel had a dream and vision now in this a dream as many of us believe and many of us understand is what you see in your unconscious state many know when you go to sleep and then your mind is still working and it's seeing things, then you are receiving a dream. Visions are given while you're in your conscious state. Meaning, while you're still wide awake and, you know, your mind sometimes drifts off to another place and it begins to think about things or it begins to see things. Okay, so... Dreams is dealing with the unconscious. Visions is dealing with the conscious. All right. Where technically you're in a place that you can be in interactive with what you are seeing. You can take immediate action on what you have had exposed to you. In the dream, however, when you're in the dream state or in an unconscious state, what happens is you are not in a place to bring any activity because technically your, your body is in a, if I may say, death state, 
because it's inactive. It's in a place where it's getting re-energized. Amen. One of the primary purposes of sleep is for us to be recharged. So there's a recharging that's going on and you're not able to war against what's happening in the unconscious state, which means the activity of the spirit. Amen. See, a lot of times the spirit does more work with you when you're not warring against it with your flesh, both spiritually as well as physically. And so some things are able to be downloaded to you in that posture. Now, I'm not saying everything that is received in dreams is necessarily from God. But what I'm telling you in in this state, more things, if God is working with you, can be given to you uh, uh uh, in that posture because your flesh is not in the equation to war against what you're being given. But see, it takes you to be in a place with your character and your relationship with God for him to be the one downloading images and information to you versus letting your flesh always be in charge so the adversary has a gateway to cause you to end up having dreams and in most instances they become nightmares sometimes you will have dreams that the the adversary may give you things in order to put demonic things into play but yet in other times they bring fear and cause many to be in distress depression or cause them to be weak when it comes to their spiritual growth. These are some of the things that you deal with with dreams. But now visions, once again, is in the conscious state. And so in that, in the conscious state, as I said, you're, you're more apt to reacting in the physical or making a spontaneous act based on what you have seen or what you have heard or your conversation begins to dialogue spiritually based on those things. So in saying that, I'm bringing to your attention what's going on here in this very first verse. He says, Daniel had a dream and visions, plural, of his head upon his bed. Now, let me clarify something to you as well, because many people will take that word head in its literal sense. However, it comes from the Hebrew word reash, which is uh, not only Hebrew, but it also goes back to ancient Chaldean, ancient Mesopotamia, which it means essential content or important information. Okay, so what what the scripture really says here, Daniel had dreams and visions of his important or significant information while he was in the bed. He says this stuff was important. It wasn't uh, a nonsense dream or vision. It was something that was significant enough that it needed to be remembered or recorded. That's what he's really articulating here. Okay. In that, the verse says, then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matter. Okay. Now, this is something really profound that you need to catch so you don't even take this out of context. Chapter 7, as we're moving forward, watch this. It's not Daniel talking about the dream. 
It's Daniel talking about the visions. The word says clearly here, he wrote down the dream, but then it says he told the sum of the matter. All right. Now, when we're talking about this, when it says he uh, told, meaning to tell, it comes from the Hebrew word Amar. The word sum, watch this, is the same word as head. It's reash. All right. Now, once again, reash, if we take it in the literal sense as a head, like on your body, then it still means the chief. It's one, one who's leading. If we're looking at it as if we said, who's the head of this group? If it's used in that context, we're saying, who's the chief or who's the leader? Who is the one in power? Who's the one responsible? All right. But now in this, in this context of the word resh, it's saying essential information. So it says he's telling the sum or should I say the essential information that he was given through the visions. All right. It says of the matter, milah, which means affairs or watch this of the utterance. Because remember, I said when you're in a place of you getting visions, you're in a place that you can still talk. You're in the active sense where you can have dialogue. So now. Look at verse two, verse two, it says, Daniel spake and said, I saw, watch this, in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. He didn't say I saw in my dream. He said, I saw in my vision by night. Now, keep in mind. The very first verse I brought to your attention, he said visions in the plural sense. I emphasize that is because as we continue to go through the book of Daniel, these are visions that he's articulating or speaking about. Everything that he says uh, uh, that he speaks or he began to say, it's dealing with the visions that he got. Okay, because now the visions caused him to have dialogue Y'all remember just like John did in the book of Revelation. John was in a vision when he received the book of Revelation because he was having dialogue with the angels of the messengers that God sent to him in order to give him what he wrote down. So Daniel is in the same place with the visions. There's interactions that are beginning to happen. Okay, so it says he spake and said... I saw in my vision by night, or he saw in his conscious state at nighttime. And it says, and behold, meaning remember whether we're talking Old Testament or New Testament, we're talking about beholding. It's not just about seeing with literal eyes, but it means it implies the activation of spiritual sight based on what you are physically seeing. So John, uh, excuse me, Daniel says, behold, meaning I'm looking at something, but now I'm engaging the spiritual or the prophetic to deal with what I'm seeing. He says, behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. 
Now, Daniel really says a lot right here. All right. Because number one, he says the four winds. All right. Now, uh, the word winds that's being used here is from the Hebrew word ruach. Where have we heard ruach before other than in Genesis when it talks about the spirit of God moving upon the face of the water? All right. God's spirit is associated with the ruach. Now, we can also say a ruach is wind that blows. All right. But I'm bringing you some 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 deeper revelation. We're talking about. Uh, 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 a spirituality that's happening here. Okay. Now, uh, still, let, let, let me even, even give you a little bit more information on this thing about winds, uh, the shoes here. If we were looking at it in Greek, the word wind, uh, in this context would be anemos, which means a violent or an agitating, uh, uh, force uh, like breathing out. If you think about it, when you blow out, uh, it's not a natural act. Like when you're just breathing in and out, you're pushing force behind it without any control to it. Okay. Just want to bring that as a little bit of education there, but I have to once again, default back that this means a little bit more than average winds blowing. Okay, and the reason I say that is because something else is significant within this verse that many have probably overlooked in their uh, theological, as we say, exegesis or dissecting of the verse. And what I'm bringing to your attention is it says the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. I am placing emphasis right now in the keyword strove. All right. The reason I'm placing emphasis on that particular word is because it's the past tense of another familiar word that many of you have 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 probably touched bases with in uh, reading the word of God. And that word is strive. Turn with me quickly to Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. All right. And this is dealing with the sons of God that looked upon the daughters of men and formed the men of renown, the, the Nephilim and the Raphahim and the Gaburim. Okay. In that notice here in verse three, it says, and the Lord said, my spirit or my Ruach shall not always watch this strive, which is present tense of the word strove. Now, when we take strove in it's immediate context when we look at it as of a wind or force that I just explained to you. 
then it would be under the Hebrew word guach, which means to break forth or to rush. Watch this. But what's interesting, even in its definition, it still went back to using the term strive. So it means break forth, but yet it still goes back to its root meaning to strive. What is strive in Hebrew? Other than the word dayun, which means, watch this, to judge. When you look at Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 and you look at the word strive that's used there, it's from the Hebrew word dayun, which means to judge. All right. Stroving is about a wind force based upon striving. Striving is about judging. All right. So now let me let me roll it back and look at this verse again. Daniel spake and said, I saw or I was now engaged in spiritual or prophetic sight to discern the vision that God gave me at night. And I discerned, watch this, the four winds of the heaven, Shemayan, which can be, depending on the context of the verse, it can refer to the sky that all of us are used to seeing, the blue sky with the clouds. It can refer to space, which is the universe that we believe we are familiar with, where the heavens, or should I say where the stars sit. And then it can also associate with the dwelling place of God in the unknown that Man, in this posture, has not seen or been delivered to as of yet. So, in this, he says, uh, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. Now, where have we heard this before what context especially as I'm bringing to your attention about the judgment in this text well as Bible readers if you turn to the book of Revelation which I'm bringing you the parallel in Revelation um, as we, 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 we look at this in Revelation chapter 7. In Revelation chapter 7, um, it says in verse 1, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth nor on the sea nor on any tree okay so watch this Daniel sees the four winds 
And John sees them as well. But in the parallel of both of them seeing them, both of them are seeing him at a different point in time in the dispensation or the administration of what's going on with the winds. All right. Daniel is seeing them in action. John saw them when they were ceased for a period of time. Now, as he, as he is seeing this, we're deferring back to Daniel. He says, I've seen the four winds of the heavens striving. Okay, verse 3, it says, And then he saw four great beasts come up from the sea, diverse one from another. So, now, in this, Daniel brings to our attention that when these four winds are active, four beasts are rising. Four winds active, we see four beasts rising. Now, these aren't just, watch this, any old type of beasts. Daniel declares that they're great, meaning that they are uh, significant. Uh, they're very important. You know, when you look up the word great uh, in Hebrew, that's being used here in verse 3, uh, the word is, is rab or rab which means great, it means chief, or it means master, okay? So it means very, very skillful. They've mastered whatever, whatever is the subject, it has mastered what it does to make it very significant or very important. Now, what's profound though is it says these were four beasts. The word beast you'll find very interesting because in the Hebrew, the word is Shiva, C-H-E-Y-V-A. And Shiva means beast or animal or destruction. What's very profound though is the fact that in uh, Hindu culture, the god of destruction is called Shiva, S-H-I-V-A. Or S-H-I-Y-V-A. Shiva. One, one and the same. It's interesting that under the Hindu culture, it uses the same terminology from what Daniel used here in the Old Testament for the beast, calling it Shiva. Now, under Hindu culture, Shiva is the god that brings destruction in order to do new creation. Shiva is the god that brings destruction in order to do a new creation in the image that Shiva wants it to be in. Everybody should be grabbing some things right here when you begin to look at this thing about Shiva. Uh, so, so it's interesting that the scripture says that these important beasts are beasts of Shiva. They're part of 
the unraveling or the destruction that is to come. They are the ones, as we say, the starters of apocalyptic events. So the text says, watch this, they came up from the sea. Now, sea in Hebrew is yam, which we can take that in the literal sense to say it means uh, the water or river or so forth. But once again, now that we're looking at Daniel, even though Daniel being in the Old Testament, many people say it's, it's things uh, uh, veiled or concealed because it spoke more in a literal sense and there was no real operation of revelation in, in, in great mass based on what the prophets were given. We look at the New Testament is, is things being unveiled, things being, being revealed, things uh, uh, now uh, uh, being released to us based on revelation, having them unveiled to us. And that's based upon God using his holy apostles and prophets as it declares in Ephesians 3, 5. It's taking specific anointings and specific mantlings in order to reveal what was hidden within. So, so in this, Daniel is still speaking some things that we might look at in the literal sense, but uh, I, I'm stretching you right now. It requires a prophetic eyesight. Remember, as I said here previously, he said, he says, I discerned. So that means those who are reading right now have to have a spirit of discernment to begin to see what's really on the inside of this. So now, why do I say that? And it's because he says, I seen these beasts rising out of the sea. When did we see the sea before in end time or apocalyptic writing of the word other than watch this once again in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 13. Verse 1 and 2. The scripture declares, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw Watch this, a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name or the character of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power or the ability and his seat and great authority. This is what John was given. Daniel is seeing the same thing at this point in his vision. Okay. Verse three. Once again, he says, uh, the four great beasts came up from the sea. So now based on this, we're looking and understanding that the sea is not the sea in the literal sense, but it's a metaphor for rising out of man. Rising up out of man. This is what's transpiring here. The beasts come out of man. Why is it that it comes out of man? And you got to understand it still falls in the line with prophetic writing of how God operates and the adversary being a copycat of how God does business. Why do I say that? If you remember, why is it that the children of Israel got a Moses? 
The scripture declares that God heard their cry and brought a, a prophet up out of the midst of them. Moses was one of them. He was a Hebrew. So if God brings a voice, uh, a heralder, out of the midst of a people, why do we think anything different when it comes to the apocalyptic things that are to happen, even when it comes to uh, uh, the actions of the adversary or the beast? So there, these entities began to birth themselves forth out of mankind as to where man is in this period of time. John is seeing still future. I mean, excuse me, Daniel. Daniel is still seeing future just like John was seeing future. But what he's saying is the character of man becomes conducive for the birthing forth of beasts that shall cause destruction and havoc in order for things to come to pass as declared in the word of God. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. I will stop there on tonight because this, this is going to be a great study here with Daniel chapter 7 as we continue to look deeper and deeper into the visions that he received and how they complement and parallel those of the writings of John in the book of Revelation. Amen. Amen. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.